Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in. Shays and Higgins getting you ready for the weekend. And uh, what a busy weekend it is coming up here in the Cuse and sports in the Dome. And everywhere you might look, getting ready for some Cuse hoops tomorrow. Boston College in at noon. The uh, wild lacrosse celebration Sunday in the Dome with the men taking on top-ranked Maryland at noon. And a top-five matchup with the women in Stony Brook at four and Jersey retirements. Gary Gate, Katie Rowan, the Ring of Honor with Roy Simmons Jr. getting filled out. So looking forward to that. And then uh, men's hoops again on Monday. It is a long weekend this week. So President's Day hoops on uh, Monday night with Syracuse and Georgia Tech. So uh, lots to get to with that. Uh, uh, Danny has important business here for the opening uh, half hour of the show. He'll be joining us uh, midway through today. Because of that, we'll be bumping our Hall of Fame Friday guest, one Mike Waters up a little bit and will be joining us uh, next segment today. So instead of 3.30, a little bit earlier today for Mike, as always brought to you by the McGuire family of dealerships. Looking forward to talking a little hoops uh, with Mike after the week off and kind of resetting things for the guys for the upcoming stretch run and what is going to be this crazy stretch. Five games in 10 days. It is going to be packed in uh, for the Orange here over the next uh, week and a half. A lot of basketball, and uh, we'll kind of decide how the rest of this regular season goes here for Syracuse over this next 10-day stretch. But Brian Higgins with you. Danny Shea's coming up here at the bottom of the hour on Shea's and Higgins, and Mike Waters coming up in about 10 minutes from now. As always, on a Friday, we're sponsored by Frode & Son Funeral Home. And tough one last night in the Dome for the women. We're, we're looking forward to this exciting weekend coming up. Hoping maybe it could have gotten kicked off last night in a positive way. Always knew it was going to be a tough goal last night because of the uh, talent of Virginia Tech on the women's side. Uh, the roster makeup they have with a first-team all-league and possibly ACC player of the year performer, the 6'6", uh, Liz Kitley, and uh, the surrounding three-point shooting. And, oh boy, did we ever see all of that last night. And it did not take long for us to see quite literally the entire Virginia Tech game plan come to life. It was the first three and a half minutes of the game. They'd already hit four threes, and Kitley had scored four buckets, made their first six threes of the game, ended up hitting 14 of them. Uh, Kitley, who is uh, the favorite or very shortlist favorite for ACC Player of the Year, had 24 points to the game. And uh, Virginia Tech scored the most points that a women's opponent has ever scored in the Dome, putting up 102 yesterday in a 102-53 win. So the Orange now have given up uh, north of 100 uh, twice in the last five games. So twice in uh, 10 days, 11 days, as that uh, happened to Syracuse. So uh, a rough one last night for the women. And uh, much like the men who are going to have this gauntlet here coming up, the women are in the middle of theirs. Yesterday was the third game in five days, so maybe, you know, legs were a little bit of an issue or the fact that Virginia Tech refused to miss a shot. Um, but now they go on the road. Virginia Tech is currently third in the league. The team that's currently first in the league is NC State, and that is where Syracuse uh, women's basketball goes next. So that is that is going to be a tough one for the ladies on uh, Sunday at 2 o'clock at Reynolds Coliseum on, oh, by the by, it's their senior day. So um, 
Going to be a tough one uh, for them this weekend. And then uh, one more on the road after that at Wake Forest, Boston College in the Dome next Sunday. And that is it for the regular season. We'll be on to Greensboro for the ACC tournament. Been, you know, on, on that side of things, starting to kind of look, try to figure out where the women are going to be in the tournament. You just kind of do that uh, this time of year. You're just trying to figure out the schedule. What day is the game going to be? Maybe what can you start figuring out what time? Right now the women would be an 11 seed which would be a you know a night game on that first night on, on Wednesday. So you start trying to get a sense of where you're at. Uh, I'm excited to talk to Mike Waters here coming up in a bit about that. He wrote an article about that on the men's side uh, this morning. It's always kind of funny. At this kind of the season, you're, you're trying to figure out where where is it going to be? What, what time of day on a random weekday do I need to carve out uh, to take it a basketball game? And season ends at this second. Uh, the men will not play the opening Tuesday, but they would be in that 8-9 game. On uh, Wednesday, that's the nooner. That's a time slot that, at least in years past, when the Orange have perchance needed to make a run in one of these tournaments, was friendly. It was uh, all noon games there, at least uh, early in the week that year. Jerry made the run uh, down at the Garden. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Nothing's locked in as of yet, but it's starting to to shape up. At, at this part of the season, you're, you're running out of wiggle room of how far you can slide in either direction of the standing. So I know Mike uh, really delved into that this morning. We'll we'll get a fuller sense of that from him as uh, we move along uh, throughout the show here today because it's not, you know, locked in, but you're starting to really get a sense of, okay, w- where could you be? What time's the game going to be? We all need to know that because, you know, if it's the middle of the day on a work day, you got to get that sorted out. You got to figure out a way to play hooky. Um, and who are you going to play? Is it a good matchup? Which which games do you got to root for down the stretch to get a matchup uh, that's good for the Orange? How could it sort out so maybe game two is a little friendlier if you get through uh, game one? It just gives you a little bit of, a little bit of something to look at on the schedule and kind of sort out your rooting interest for the rest of the league <laughs> over the course of the season. We know when you want Syracuse to win, but uh, who do you want in the rest of the league uh, in the rest of the season? So that's kind of stuff. That you now start to hone in on that was less important a couple weeks ago, but now is uh, starting to uh, sort itself out. Can also sort itself out for you on FanDuel Sportsbook because they got college hoops too. Did you know that college basketball is here on FanDuel Sportsbook? They got men's games, they got women's games as well. And right now, new customers can place their first college basketball bet risk free. If you don't win, how about this? Up to $1,000 uh, back. You bet it any way you like. You can do the parlays, single games, men's games, women's games, whatever you want. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to give it a shot. App is easy to use. Always got the great odds. When you win, paid in as little as two hours, usually faster than that. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up in the queues. Use promo code Danny. To get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 in Utica, the promo code is BASKETBALL. Very appropriate if you were to bet college basketball. Promo code's Danny or basketball. Must be 21 and over and present in New York. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, I suggest you call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That is 467-369. I'm going to take a break now on Chase and Higgins. When we come back, Mike Waters will join us. At the end of this segment, I will be asking you a trivia question, the answer to which can get you tickets to the Boston College game tomorrow at noon in the Dome. Our next guest is Mike Waters. 
put those two things together. Go read the things Mike has written recently, and I would just dare say you might have a better chance of answering the trivia question correctly and uh, winning yourself tickets to the game tomorrow. We'll talk to Michael when we come back. It's Jason Higgins on a Friday. You're on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shazen Higgins. Shazen Higgins rolling along here on a Friday. Brian Higgins with you. Danny will be along at the bottom of the hour. And we thank our next guest, Mike Waters, for... So graciously rearranging his afternoon schedule to join us about uh, 15 minutes earlier than uh, normal. Thank you so much, Mike. We, we try to inconvenience you as much as possible on your Friday. So I'm, I'm glad you could shuffle it around here a few minutes today. Yeah, I'm just happy to come on the air with you, Brian, and not have a big guy in the low post begging for the ball when he's clearly not open. Exactly. Yeah, we've got, we, we're now we've got two guard-sized people on the show today, so we can be a little more mobile on the perimeter, which will which will be good. Yeah. Um, entry pass. What's an entry pass? I don't know what an entry pass no. is. Do you? No. No. This is modern ball. We're jacking threes. That, that's what we're doing here today. Analytics. They told us to do it. Uh, so, Mike, I, I was glad to see your article this morning about, you know, started getting into ACC tournament scenarios. I, I, your brain must have clicked over kind of like uh, mine did this week when I was looking at the women's standings. I mean, you, you start thinking, okay, what, what time's the game going to be? Who's the who's the opponent going to be? What, what did your little research turn up this morning that maybe popped out to you as far as Syracuse and where things are headed as far as the ACC tournament? Well, if the tournament started today, uh, what popped out was, uh, you know, this, whole idea of Syracuse might have to run the table in Brooklyn and get that automatic bid, it's not going to be easy uh, right from the get-go. I mean, as of today, Syracuse is the eighth seed. That would mean a second-round game against Florida State, and the winner, you know, drum roll, it, the winner gets Duke. <laughs> uh, you know, and someone was texting me, oh, you know, they have to get, you know, they have to get a, like a different seed because you, know, you want to avoid Duke. I'm like, yeah, granted, but you don't want to drop any lower uh, you know, you don't want to go that way because then that's going to put you playing in an extra game. You have to play in the first round on Tuesday. Um, so, right. you know, some, some way, shape or form, if you really want to avoid Duke, you gotta, you gotta move up. You gotta get past Virginia tech. And that's going to be difficult because as we know, Virginia tech already holds a tiebreaker because they beat the orange just last Saturday down in Blacksburg. So, you know, listen, you know, Syracuse is going to have its work cut out for it. You know, no matter what it's seated or who it faces. And I and I'm really I don't really know if this whole avoiding Duke thing is really a thing. I Duke's shown it it can be beat, and a lot of teams have challenged the Blue Devils, and that's been in Cameron Indoor. I mean, this will be on a neutral court in, in Brooklyn. You know, I if, if you're Syracuse, I, I almost wouldn't even worry about the seed or who you're going to draw. You're going to have to win four games to get it done. I, I guess the irony there, if you're, if you're trying to get up to, like, say, the seventh seed and avoid Duke, the, the best way to do that is probably by beating Duke in the first place, which would then maybe drop Duke into the standings and you'd eliminate the whole issue of winning him in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be something to move up to the seventh seed and have Duke drop to number two? And then you end up getting them anyway, you know? Or here's the other thing, too. As of right now, like if Duke's not the one seed, one of the teams most likely to get there is going to be Notre Dame. 
And, man, right. Notre Dame's going to be a tough matchup for Syracuse. They've got all those shooters. They got, you know, Prentice Hub, Dane Goodwin, uh, the Blake Wesley kid, it's like, like off guard or small forward, whatever he is. Uh, that's a tough-looking Notre Dame team. Again, this might be just one of those years where you just don't really worry too much about the draw. It's, it's, I, I think the, the main thing you want to try to do is you don't want to start on Tuesday because winning five games in five days would just be a monumental challenge. Yeah, that's uh, that is essentially not a thing that happens. I mean, it it, it is impossible to do it uh, for the most part. And, and you look at the the current ACC standings, Mike, and compare it to the next week and a half. Um, I see the current one seed Dukes on the schedule. I see the current two seed Notre Dame's on the schedule, and I see the current four seed North Carolina's on the schedule. So that that kind of tells you a little bit, right, about uh, this ten day stretch Syracuse has starting tomorrow. And and I think you left out Miami. Uh, they're up there. They're they're off the top of my head. They're either the three or the five right. seed right now. So and they're on yeah, the they're schedule. Right Syracuse now. ends the regular season with them. So yeah, would you look at the schedule for Syracuse after after Boston College tomorrow, and then Georgia Tech on Monday? Uh, the last four games of the regular season are against four of the best teams in the league. Yeah, and um, we, we've known it for a while. I mean, the Miami was you know the the bit of a, a surprise there, but. It, Obviously, nobody's shocked to see Duke or, or Carolina, or even in many ways Notre Dame uh, up there this year, a little bit bigger of a stretch, but they had so much coming back. It's going to be an interesting little run here. I mean, Miami's kind of on the back end of this. That's the last game of it. But five days in ten days, that I don't care who the games are. Like, like That is a daunting stretch here in the regular season. And then add on the Jesse Edwards thing. It's going to be really interesting to see how Syracuse is able to it kind of just manage the roster here over the next week and a half. Yeah, a team with an eight, basically an eight-man rotation loses a starting center, so you go down to a seven-man rotation. And the only re, the only way to like extend that back to eight is you've got to get minutes out of Barama Sidibe. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, but even with just those eight guys. You know, Jim Beheim hasn't been playing those bench guys a lot. Uh, minimal minute, you know, guys like Buddy, Joe, uh, Cole Swider have played, been playing big minutes. Um, so this is going to be a challenge for sure when you look at five days and ten, uh, five games in ten days. Ten games in five and days it, would probably be against the law. It, that's probably too many. That's uh, <laughs> that is too many competition days in the NCAA parlance. You you, you can't get uh, you can't get that many in. Um, I know all these sports TV already, networks need programming, but that's a little ridiculous. <laughs> ten ten games in five yeah. days. Yeah. If there's an ACC network too, then uh, then then we can work on that. <laughs> It would be Ernie Banks approved. Let, let's play two. Let's get him out there and uh, just see what happens. But I mean, this is a tough stretch, and you know, it, there was it's unavoidable in many ways. But the Georgia Tech game getting stuck in there—that's a, a COVID makeup game from now more than a month ago, and that was an issue in the Georgia Tech program. And, and man, there's nothing you can do about it, I guess. But man, it really seems to have unfairly landed on Syracuse. I mean, this is the, the wrong time for it to hit, where you already had this terrible schedule coming up, and then it, it gets made even harder by having one more game tossed in there. It doesn't help, um, yeah, having to wedge it in there. But, you know, the, this is what the conferences have had to do. Uh, you know, sometimes you just don't have a lot of flexibility. Of course, the timing of it, too, couldn't be worse for Syracuse because if this game could have been played two weeks ago, you have Jesse Edwards uh, before his injury. Right. So now you go down. So, yeah, big gift, uh, real gift for Georgia Tech. Um, the, only, the only problem for them is is they now have to travel. And, you know, they're playing Saturday. 
so, you know, they'll travel and have to play that dreaded Saturday-Monday turnaround uh, with the Monday game on the road. Uh, but the Syracuse does kind of get it worse. Cause in order to wedge this in, you had to move the Notre Dame game back a day. Mm-hmm. Originally, Syracuse was supposed to play Notre Dame this coming Tuesday. Uh, they had to move it back to Wednesday just, just to get Georgia Tech in there. Yeah, so that that's going to be is Syracuse has the the dreaded turnaround. That that's the one day to South Bend. Then they do it again over the weekend next weekend because it's the home for Duke, and then you're doing Big Monday at, at Carolina. So having to do that back to back weeks is a really rough. Uh, on the schedule, but uh, it's Boston College coming up here uh, tomorrow, Mike. We, we just watched this game, but that was <laughs> Jesse Edwards' last game, albeit that he, you know, fouled out and didn't didn't play a lot. How, how much do you read into that game as it pertains to this one? You're barely two weeks later. Yeah, you know, Jesse didn't play a lot, but he was there. You know, you went into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston College had the even game plan for him, and and know he was going to be there. The good thing for Syracuse is, is because Jesse was in foul trouble and only played, I think it was about 13 minutes that game, is you've played Boston College the way you're going to have to play them tomorrow now. Frank, Frank's been on the floor now for both that game and the following game against Virginia Tech and played really well. So hopefully he goes in with some confidence. What you worry about is, you know, Boston College was able to get Jesse into foul trouble. Can Frank stay out of it? Now, Frank did a marvelous job at Virginia Tech on Saturday, staying out of foul trouble. He only had three fouls in 35 or 37 minutes or whatever it was. He didn't play a single minute of that game in any kind of foul trouble. So he didn't have to play tentative or anything. Um, So he's going to have to continue that way. Or you're going to really look to Barama to step in and, and show the form that he showed two years ago when he was, when, especially at the end of, the, of that junior year of his, he was playing great. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. you talk about injuries being so sad for these kids and really for Barama, uh, his knee troubles are just so just heartbreaking for him. You know, I think people forget those last six games of his junior year, uh, he was in double figures three times and he was in double figure for rebounds in all six of those last six games. Uh, you know, we, we went into the, the season a year ago expecting big things out of Barama. Maybe in a limited time he can play to that level again. Syracuse is going to need him to. Yeah, I mean, think back to last season. It, all those high hopes were four minutes into the season when he, when he gets hurt. And uh, basically, I mean, didn't officially, but for all intents and purposes, ended his season uh, last year. He's never been the same since. It's so weird, isn't it, Mike? I mean, you see the ACL injuries all the time. That's not what Barama had. And you kind of know the deal with that. You, that happens to somebody. You, you get the surgery, you know, nine months to a year later. They do it so well now. More likely than not, you're almost as good as new with Barama. The, the nagging stuff, that, that's just got to bother you when you just don't know uh, from day to day what, what you're going to feel like when you're on the court. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes it hard to practice on consecutive days, the soreness, how you're going to feel. I think it takes away your confidence. And especially when you add it to the fact we're talking about a big guy. We're not talking a little guy. We're talking about a six foot 10, six foot 11 kid, weighs over 200 pounds. You know, when your knees are hurting and you're that big, man, it just makes it all all the worse. So, you know, not only has he not played at all, really, over the last two years, he hasn't practiced consistently. So, you know, our expectations for Barama here over the last two, three weeks of the season, you know, we, we have to be realistic with our expectations. We can hope uh, that he can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, approach his level from a couple years ago. But realistically, you know, we're, I think Jim Beheim and his staff are going to have to really, you know, watch their usage of him. Um, 
you know, and again, uh, if Frank can't stay out of foul trouble and Baram is hurting as well, then you're looking at that small lineup. That's the uh, only, really only other alternative is to go small with uh, Jimmy Beheim at the five. Yeah, Danny and I were talking about that the other day, Mike, and, and I think uh, I agree with you that Frank played great last game, all things considered. First career start, 15 rebounds. I mean, what more do you want uh, than that? Obviously, his offense isn't what Jesse's has been of late, but we can we can cut him a, some slack on that. But when you look at this whole stretch here, I, I, I can't really conceive of him making it through this entire stretch of games without getting into foul trouble at least once. It, it feels like these other scenarios are, I don't know what game it's going to be, be it tomorrow or another day. These other scenarios almost inevitably have to come up at some point. It's going to. And and then Syracuse will just have to cope and, and deal with Frank being on the bench some. But yeah, I mean, like Boston College, Quinton Post, seven-footer, in the middle, James mm-hmm. Karnick, another veteran center, uh, 6'10", 6'11", guy that they can put in the middle. Uh, and those two were able to get Jesse Edwards in foul trouble. You know, Notre Dame's got the big Paul Atkinson kid. And then even Nate Lajewski is, is a little bit of a problem in the low post at times. And then you know, your next Saturday we'll roll around and we'll see Duke with Mark Williams and Paulo Boncaro. And then you get a day break and you're going to you know, do that dreaded turnaround game to North Carolina. And they just all they have is like Armando Bacot, you know, no no big deal, just one of the top big men in the nation. Uh, so <laughs> it's going to be a really difficult stretch. Frank is going to be in foul trouble at some point during some of these games. So you know, just have to work with him and try to you know mitigate it. And hopefully, he's not in foul trouble every game. I mean, we've seen Jesse play through foul trouble uh, mm-hmm. of several games this season. As early on, Jesse was having a real a real issue with it. Um, so I don't know, man. It's it's just a shame, and you know, Syracuse will work through it again. I feel so bad for Jesse Edwards. You know, a legitimate candidate for ACC Most Improved Player this year, and and now he has to miss like the last what is it, eight games of the regular season, or seven and a half games of the regular season. And, and, and you know, Mike, you're going on that stuff. Like it's it kind of. Whether he deserves it or not at this point, right, it, it almost becomes an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. Now, it, you know, you're going to yeah. get to the point where a third and a half of the voters in the league aren't going to get to watch him play, and it almost uh, – it maybe not completely for an award like that, but it almost disqualifies you from stuff like that. Yeah, when you only have 20 conference games and he's going to miss seven of them, that's a third of the of the season. I mean, you would never vote anybody most uh, valuable player or, or ACC's player of the year award. So, yeah, uh, you know, while Jesse was a legitimate candidate uh, before going mm-hmm. down, I think now, you know, there's other guys in the league having great breakout seasons too. Uh, you know, of course, up here we're very obviously aware of everything Jesse's done. But, you know, uh, Darian Sebron down at North Carolina State's having a, a real breakout season as a redshirt sophomore. P.J. Hall at Clemson. Is, is another one. And, you know, even uh, Mac Ty um, Ashton Langford for Boston College is, is having a real, you know, I've shown a lot of improvement over a year ago. But, you know, probably PJ Hall and, and the Sebron kid at NC State are probably the two favorites for it now. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. I know when we were getting ready for the NC State game uh, uh, a few weeks ago, Sebron's uh, name certainly came up in, in in that conversation. And then Jesse had a great game that day and was like, yeah, about that. Uh, here I am. Uh, all right, Mike, uh, what do you got with this game tomorrow? I mean, we, we just saw it. Uh, BC's offense uh, with Frisky in the second half. It was kind of a weird game in the first half. 
and then I don't know what to think about anything anymore after that Notre Dame-Boston College game the other night where BC has their highest scoring game of the season. So what what do you make of BC now that maybe is different here than a few weeks ago? I think they're playing really hard, and they, 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 they're, they're, they, they, the coach, Earl Grant, hasn't lost these kids. Uh, they're still fighting and battling. I watched that Notre Dame game the other night. Uh, they nearly had Notre Dame beat. They, they wound up losing in overtime in South Bend, uh, but just a great effort. In addition to continuing to play hard, I think they are also figuring out how to work a little bit better on offense. They've been struggling mm-hmm. offensively the entire year. But when you go back and you look at the second half of the game against Syracuse, they scored 40 points in the second half. That's a lot of points. And then they had 86 at the end of regulation against Notre Dame. You know, if Boston College can start scoring, they've got a lot of other things that they can do. I think they become a dangerous team. Um, and they're going to get after it. They're going to know that Syracuse is down a big man. And they're going to mm-hmm. have seen how they were able to play Syracuse even in the second half of Conte Forum. I think they come in on Saturday a really confident, hungry bunch. All right, Mike, I, uh, as we let you go here, I, I have stolen from you. I used the Mike's mailbag yesterday. It is giving us our trivia question today uh, for those out there. Uh, give, give a call in. Uh, if you read Mike's stuff, this is not a hint. This is a direct clue of where the answers are. Uh, that's where the answer to this question is. Uh, we went with what year was Syracuse last eligible for the postseason? So this disqualifies 2015 in 1993, what was their last eligible winning season where they did not make either the NCAA or NIT? Last eligible winning season, very important qualifiers, where they did not make the NCAA or NIT. Phone number for that, 315-437-7644 for ESPN 44. Give a ring, two tickets to the game tomorrow can be yours. Mike, I hope you like what I stole from your article uh, for our trivia question for tomorrow. I just hope somebody read the story and has the answer for you, Brian. <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I hope people don't fail the test on this. I mean, it, it's a, it's open book. I've told you where the answer is. So uh, go figure that out. All right, Mike, uh, enjoy the game to tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to the college basketball and just click on the things that says buy Mike Waters. That's all you got to do here today. All right, Mike. Luck, uh, good to catch I hope somebody wins. Yeah, so hopefully we give away the tickets. All right, Mike, we'll catch up again next week. That is Mike Waters, as always, brought to you by the McGuire family of dealerships. Again, that trivia question is, what year, the last year Syracuse had a winning season, were eligible for the postseason, and did not make the NCAA or NIT? 315-437-7644 is the number for ESPN 44. We'll give away the tickets. Danny with us when we come back as well. Hear a little bit from Coach Bayhive as well. Jason Higgins on a Friday. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shazen Higgins. This is Jason Higgins rolling along here on a Friday. Brad Higgins with you, Danny, along momentarily. As always, brought to you by Ferone and Son Funeral Home. Danny, we got our two tickets to Boston College for tomorrow uh, to give away. We got people lining up on the line. Here was our trivia question uh, for today. Again, this is coming from uh, Mike Waters' article the other day. 
What year was Syracuse, A, last eligible for the postseason, and B, also had a winning season, where C, they did not make either the NCAA tournament or the NIT? Patiently waiting on the line is Wayne in the truck. Wayne, how are you today? And uh, what do you think the answer is? Uh, I'm not too bad. So, I I haven't read the article because I'm driving, but I, I want to say, was that 97? It was uh, not 97. They missed the tournament in 97, Wayne, but they were in the NIT, which, if uh, memory serves, was exceedingly poorly attended at the Dome and got blown out by Florida State. That's right. I don't remember it. So so you got got about half the answer right, but uh, thanks, as always, for calling in, Wayne. All right, so uh, Wayne is not correct. Oh, we have, we have a buzzer. That was aggressive. Aggressively not letting Wayne come to the game. Next on the line here, uh, we have uh, Dave. Again, the question is, what was the last year Syracuse was both eligible for the postseason, had a winning season, and did not make the NCAA or the NIT? Dave, what is your answer to the question? 1965. That, Dave, we can tell Dave has been uh, following the assignment. He understood the assignment. He read Mike Waters' article. 1965 is correct. That was Jim Beheim and Dave Bing's junior year in college. That's as long ago as this was. Uh, Dave, congrats. Uh, you got two tickets to the game tomorrow. Hang on the line. Thank the guys you. will get your information and get you set up. Perfect. Thank you very much. Okay. Absolutely, Dave. Glad to hook somebody up. And uh, we're very glad, Mike and I are, that somebody was reading his article. We were very concerned that nobody would have read it and then not gotten the answer. But how about that, Danny? I mean, setting aside uh, the two years with probation, 93 and uh, 2015, where the team had winning records, you got to go back to 1965, where the team would have had a winning record and not been invited. And that came up because at least as of this second, um, you're not a tournament team, maybe the NIT, but you do have a winning record. So at least that stuff is in play legitimately uh, for the first time in, uh, what would that be, 67 years at this point. It's been a, it's been a 57? Math is hard. It's been a long, long time. Well, and to show you, Brian, that that's when they even played games in black and white. That's how long ago it was. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so yeah, those were those were the good old days, and I, I have to admit I, that was even before me going to games uh, at Syracuse. Although I do know some, you know, some players from the fifties and sixties, but uh, uh, but yeah, that was that even predates me going to games. So that's uh, that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, quite literally, that was Dave Bing and Jim Beheim's junior year. That is a long time ago, back in 65. The Orange were 13-10 and 10, uh, that year and not invited to the NCAA or NIT. Uh, the fields back then, significantly smaller. Like, you had to have won a conference uh, to make the NCAA. At-larges were not a thing. And uh, the NIT was still a pretty big deal. Uh, back then, and also didn't have a lot of teams in it, so 13 and 10 wasn't getting you anywhere back in uh, in 65 here. Uh, Danny, there, there a lot of talk over the last week. I, I think it started with Coach K's book coming out and excerpts of that, and talking about how they landed on uh, John Shire as the head coach, which inevitably leads to the question of Jim Beheim of who's going to be the next coach. At Syracuse. So uh, here is how one Jim Beheim answered that last night right here on QSportsTalk.com. 
I won't. That won't be my call. You know, that's the university's call. The athletic director and the president, and the chancellor, make that call. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'll have some say. I can say something, but you know, it's not my job. I'm here. I coach basketball. I don't control what numbers are on the court or, or all that stuff. That's. Uh, you know, I think people think that because uh, I've been here a long time, but it's just not the way this university works. This university is run by the chancellor and the board of trustees, and I report to the athletic director, and he reports to the chancellor, and they run it. Well, good and well, Danny, but I, I, I just I'm going to venture a guess whenever this day comes, sooner, later, or otherwise, that, uh, I mean, yet yeah, no, he won't make the decision, but I'd imagine they will listen to the Hall of Famer's opinion on the matter. Yeah, I think in whatever that year is, 2051 or 2068 or, you know, whatever year mm-hmm. he finally retires, uh, I find it hard to believe that, uh, you know, he's not going to have a, you know, lion's share influence uh, on who succeeds him, uh, you know, clearly... Uh, you know, a guy with his uh, history here at the university, with his knowledge of the game, and and uh, hopefully, you know, you know, at least, uh, uh, you know, there's there's a pool of guys who have he has trained over the last number of years uh, to, you know, certainly be considered for that position. Obviously, you never know who from the outside might uh, might come in, but you know, this is one of those universities that I uh, feel, you know, I think very high probability they're going to hire from within. You know, somebody with both knowledge, history. Uh, and a personal connection to the university, as you see many of the of the majors. You know, you talk about the Duke program, right? They have such an uh, uh, advanced coaching tree of Coach K assistants over the year. Guys, you know, Tommy Amaker was was in, was uh, certainly talked about in the book, but a guy like Bobby Hurley. I mean, there's just so many former Dukies who are major coaches around the country. And I think a lot of them have been developing their resume in the hopes of, of one day being that guy, right? And, uh, you know, so, you know, I think Coach K, you know, clearly put his succession plan in play. And, uh, you know, it's a little different uh, scenario there. But I, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure that Coach, uh, Coach Beheim will have a, you know, a lion's share of the influence of who that guy is. Uh, yeah, uh, at Duke, uh, and from the book excerpt earlier this week, Coach K did not pick his successor. They just happened to pick the guy that Coach K wanted, which I'm sure was a, a exactly. very significant coincidence. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But but again, the, the guy who was sitting next to him, who was groomed, uh, you know, we did ha- obviously have that scenario once upon a time uh, in the Mike Hopkins era, and uh, you know that uh, you know never got to that sweet spot of Coach being done and Mike being ready. So. Uh, you know, he uh, obviously took the job at Washington or was found the job at Washington to advance his career. And now we'll see, uh, uh, you know, kind of what that next step is. And, you know, there'll be lots of speculation. That might even be one of the prop bets on, on FanDuel, what what year that's going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure where, where, the, where, the, where the money is, if it's this decade or the next. But, uh, uh, you know, but but clearly there's, uh, you know, that's going to be a, you know, a tsunami, like like we talk about, you know, he's our Queen Elizabeth, right? Nobody under 50 remembers a day uh, where Jim Beheim wasn't the head coach here. Uh, yeah, I'll take the over. Whatever whatever the year is, I'll take the over on uh, on that. But uh, it, it, it is something that's going to happen uh, sometime in life. You know, I just you mentioned Hop. I haven't actually looked at the Pac-12 standings in a hot minute. And Washington was struggling earlier in the year. They're not having a great season. They're kind of like the Orange, though. They're thirteen and eleven. They they've rebounded a little bit, eight and six in the league. So things were uh, things were going poorly for Hop back in 
early December, and he, he's kind of gotten himself back in the mix there. So uh, congrats to Mike Hopkins. To, he has. Uh, he has. Was, was coach of the year in the conference. Yep. yep. Was coach of the year in the conference a couple of times early in his tenure there, and uh, then went through kind of a down period. And the, and the actual conference itself is kind of seeing where they're going to go the next few years. Uh, they have a couple teams ranked, but uh, again, top to bottom, not super strong, but good for him to get back into it. And, uh, you know, been there long enough where now he is a veteran coach. And he's even been there long enough, Brian, to be on the hot seat. Now, now you've been there you know, long enough when uh, you, you lose a couple, they start talking about your job. So that's when you know you've crossed over into being a veteran coach. They are, uh, Washington is at UCLA tomorrow night. Game on FS1 if you want to uh, catch up on what uh, Hop is doing on the West Coast. You can do the nooner early with uh, the Orange and uh, catch up on the for- former Orange West Coast uh, late night. Okay, so uh, a little sidebar there. Let's hit a- our final break here. Uh, Jason Higgins will come back at Danny's thoughts on the game tomorrow. Second game in a couple weeks with Boston College. It's in the Dome tomorrow at noon. We'll talk about it when we come back here to wrap the week. It's Jason Higgins on QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Shays and Higgins. And it is final five or so with you here on a Friday. QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio, rolling along. Brought to you as always by Ferone and Son Funeral Home and by FanDuel. We're getting to the end of this. We're almost to the end of the Winter Games and the Olympics and still some time to get involved with that on FanDuel Sportsbook. You get your first bet uh, risk-free. Only a few things left to bet on, so you got to get in there uh, sooner than later. Up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. If you had uh, the American men to win a curling medal, you have lost. They lost the bronze medal uh, match to uh, Canada early earlier today. But uh, bet on anything uh, that is still going on there on FanDuel. Your promo codes, as always, are Danny or Basketball. Danny or Basketball to go for the gold today. Must be 21 and over and in New York. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? It's one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Danny, I got home last night after the women's game. You know, flip on NBC. Let's see what they got going on. I caught, and it's it happened earlier in the day, but it's the tail end of the women's figure skating. And it was the most, like, morose... After it all ended, it was the weirdest, like, 10 minutes of Olympics I've ever watched of them just showing... These poor teenage Russian girls standing around, angry, crying. Nobody knows what is going on. The gold medalist is just standing by herself. It is one of the weirdest things I think I've ever seen when it comes to the Olympics. Well, and the favorite you know, falls a couple of times, falls out of the medal yeah. round, and then instead of getting comforted, gets chewed out. Uh, by her coach coming off the ice, and uh, I mean lit up. Uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> lit up, lit up. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, definitely a, a rough place to be a figure skater uh, in the yeah. Russian contingent. So, uh, and after all the pressure she's been under all week, also, you know, of course, with the doping scandal and all the all the other issues, the only the only saving grace is they did have the medal ceremony since she wasn't in it. That uh, said, if she had made the medal ceremony, that would have been canceled until all the mm-hmm. uh, drama played out in the courts or ho- however it gets decided. 
But uh, so they, at least they were able to have a medal ceremony. But yeah, so imagine you, you know, you've been under this incredible pressure. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you falter right at the end, and, and instead of a hug around or a you know, wow, you you know, you know, let me give you some love, and you get off and get get chewed out. So that's uh, uh, that's dog eat dog right there. Yeah, well navigated uh, on NBC last night by uh, Mike Tarico and their entire uh, figure skating crew. It was surreal, but it was uh, it, you were glued to the TV. We're going to turn it off after you had that on. All right, uh, we got hoops coming up in the Dome tomorrow, Danny, at noon, Houston, BC. We just saw the game. Syracuse won the game. It was Jesse Edwards' last game that we uh, now know. What, what do you make of this rematch here a couple weeks later? Well, this is going to be a pace game. Obviously, as we've talked, a must-win. Now it's a must-must-win game uh, for Syracuse. And, uh, you know, for them, I think they're going to try and push the pace. Uh, you know, Frank Anselm at the middle, you know, guy who runs the floor well, so he'll still have an advantage there. He's rebounded very well, uh, you know, the other night. Uh, but a pace game, you know, get some points up on the board, playing at home, uh, you know, get your shooters free. Uh, you know, get like I said, get some, uh, get some ball movement and some up and down. And I think this is a game Cuse wants, you know, 80s plus uh, for this one. I don't think BC can keep up with them in, in that type of uh, tempo and, and scoring level, uh, even though they did have a decent scoring game the other night. But I think Cuse, like I said, they want this game 85 and up. Yeah, randomly. I mean, they, they were in the 80s in regulation the other night against Notre Dame that ended up uh, losing that game in uh, overtime on uh, Wednesday night. So uh, we shall see if the Orange uh, can uh, score a little bit more. They got to go into the second half of last game against BC. Had a little struggle in uh, the first half uh, from the floor. So that is coming up uh, tomorrow at uh, noon. All the pregame and postgame coverage right here on uh, ESPN Radio in the Q-Sen in uh, Utica. And then uh, you catch the game here in Syracuse over on uh, TK99 with coverage starting as early as 1030 tomorrow with Matt Park and uh, Jim Sadlin. So, uh, Danny, that does it for a week. And no Monday, we President's Day Monday, so uh, we'll talk again on Tuesday. How about that? All right, sounds great. Look forward to it, B. All right, uh, Danny's off to All-Star Weekend. Looking forward to the recap of that and his dad getting honored with the NBA All-75 team. We'll recap that for you on Tuesday. Recap two basketball games that will happen between now and then with Boston College tomorrow and Georgia Tech on Monday. So a busy show coming up on Tuesday. Brent Axel is to follow here to get you set for the remainder of the weekend. He's coming up with On the Block after this. This has been Shays and Higgins for the week. Glad to have you here, as always, on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio in Syracuse, Utica, and Rome.